Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. morning. Welcome to our almost empty sanctuary at Faith Fellowship Church here in Louisville, Kentucky. We're so glad you can join us again this morning. Uh, last week we had a treat for you and Brother Darrell, our associate minister, sang Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. And it was the older traditional version of it. And this morning we have another treat for you. We have our praise and worship leader here, Miss Shannon Nichols. And she's going to sing another version of Amazing Grace. And I know you're just going to enjoy it. And uh, we pray it will be a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. Let's try that again. Hallelujah. Amazing Grace How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been saved my God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. The Lord promised good to me his word my hope secures he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures my chains are gone Amazing grace, 
my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy got your Bibles with you this morning. We're going to start out in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter and the 10th verse. And before we do, I think we need to pray. Thank you, Miss Shannon. That was beautiful. Uh, like I said, Shannon's the head of our praise and worship team, and uh, we've got drums, we've got guitar, bass guitar, we've got keyboard, and uh, singers, and we get to enjoy this every week when we're in session. So I thought we would just give you a little taste of it uh, every now and then before I minister in the Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. Lord, we render this service over to your hands. God, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. We want your anointing to be upon me this morning, Lord, because if it's not, then it's just a dead letter off a dead page. But we want your word to be quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. And we want it to discern the hearts and the intents of our hearts this morning. And the only way that's going to happen is with your anointing. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. So we thank you for it this morning. We give you all the praise and glory for every good and perfect thing that comes from this word today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to talk to you this morning about deceitfulness, deception. This past Wednesday, we looked at a parable of the two builders, and we learned how important it is to build on the right foundation. And the most important part of a building is the foundation. Uh, I don't care if it's a house, a she shed, or a skyscraper. It's the foundation that will determine the integrity of the building itself. And this is also true of our life. The foundation is the most important part of our life. There's a big difference between building on something that's solid, like the Word of God, and uh, building on top of the ground with no foundation at all. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the epistles in the New Testament, he said this, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise master builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, 
For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation Paul is talking about is the one that we're to build our lives upon is Jesus Christ, the Word, the rock of all ages. And both of the men in our parable Wednesday night heard the same word. They both built, they both built a house. They both faced the same storm. One man built his house on a solid foundation, which was obedience to the word of God. And uh, Jesus referred to him as a wise man. The other man did his own thing, and he built on top of the ground, on top of the sand, without a foundation. And Jesus called him a foolish man. The wise man's house stood firm and was not shaken by the storm. But the foolish man's house was destroyed, and Jesus said the destruction of that house was great, and by the same storm. Another thing we learned is that we all have storms in life, and the only thing separating failure from success is building on a solid foundation, obedience to the Word of God. In other words, I don't add anything to my life that the Word of God won't support. There can be no porn in my house. There can be no adultery or fornication in my house, no covetousness, no theft, no dishonesty. In other words, I can't build my house with material that God would not approve of. And the same principle of being obedient to the word is found in the parable of the sower. Most of you are probably familiar with it. If you're not, Jesus said, a sower went forth to sow. And then he explained to his disciples what the parable was all about. He said, the seed that the sower sowed was the word of God. And then he explained the seed uh, falling on different types of soils and having different types of results. And the soil was actually the heart of man. And the different soils or conditions of the soils was the conditions of these uh, hearers' hearts. They all heard the same word, yet only 25% of them actually obeyed the word, and they were called the good soil people. Um, and they were able to produce fruit from that seed that was planted. He said some 30, some 60, some 100%. And so according to the parable, fear, the cares and riches of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches were the main reasons why the other 75% couldn't produce any fruit. And the three main reasons most people fail in life is, number one, fear, uh, because it's fear that keeps us from stepping out in faith and doing what the Word of God tells us to do. It's, it's fear that keeps you from being obedient to the Word of God. Uh, and, and the biggest fear is fear of failure. But I'm telling you, if you do the Word of God, there's no room for failure. You cannot be a failure when you're doing the Word of God. Um, number two was being more concerned with the cares and riches of the, wor of the world than you were with the Word and trusting God to meet all your needs. And number three, the deceitfulness of riches. But I want to focus on the last one for a few minutes, the deceitfulness of riches. See, most people think that riches are what cause people to fall because they also think that money is the root of all evil. But it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. God don't mind us having money. He doesn't want money having you. God doesn't mind us having nice things. He doesn't want nice things to have you. And he said it's the deceitfulness of riches that cause people to fall, not the riches. And God actually wants us to be rich. 
He gave us riches to enjoy. In Job 36, 11, he said, If we obey and serve him, we shall spend our days in prosperity and our years in pleasure. And then 3 John 1, 2, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things, above everything, that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So God is telling us your soul will prosper in proportion to how much uh, or you're, you're prospering in proportion to how much your soul is prospering. If your soul is prospering, it's rich with the word of God, it's rich with obedience in the word of God, then your life will prosper in proportion to that. And the thing that causes us to fall or fail more than anything else is deceitfulness or deception. And this is what we need to be aware of because the devil can't make you do anything. Uh, he can only deceive you into doing something. And when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, the devil tried to make him turn stones into bread, but he couldn't do it. He said, if thou art the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. And then he tried to make Jesus throw himself off of the pinnacle of a temple, the high part of the temple. But he couldn't. He said, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their arms they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus also said, it is written again. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So finally he tried to make him bow down and worship him. But he couldn't make him do that either. He took him up onto an exceedingly high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all these things will I give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written again. He said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And the Bible says the devil departed him for a season. Hallelujah. He may leave you alone, but it's only going to be for a season. He's preparing his next attack. And in the meantime, you need to be in the word of God, building up your soul, building up your spirit so you're ready for the next attack because it's coming. Yes. Have you ever heard the saying, the devil made me do it? I even, I even said it myself. But truth is, the devil can't make you do anything. The devil could only try to deceive Jesus into doing those things to himself by tempting him. Deception is a dangerous thing because it could cost you your life. Uh, he couldn't make Eve eat the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden either, but he was able to deceive her into eating it. She was tempted and deceived because the devil told her, hath God said, see, he always tries to uh, cast doubt. You know, that you would uh, surely die. And she said, yes. She said that uh, we're not even to touch the, the fruit or we'll die. And the devil says, oh, you won't die. God don't want you eating that fruit because then you'll become knowledgeable like him. And you'll know the difference between good and evil. And you'll be just like God. And he appealed to her pride. And so Eve took a bite of that fruit. And you know the rest of the story. But we live in a time today where deception is all around us. And the only thing that will protect us from this deception is knowing the truth of God's word. And uh, I'm not going to get political or anything today, but, you know, there's a doctrine of global warming. And for me to believe in global warming, I would have to believe that God made a mistake in creation. 
But God never made a mistake, never will make a mistake. He created this world and this earth, this universe, to last forever. He says the earth will never be destroyed. Uh, it was a, a flood, and he killed off all life on the earth, but the earth remained. And he said there's going to be a fire in the end time, but it's going to be a purifying fire. It's going to burn up everything of a sinful nature, but the earth is going to remain. He said seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. And so I know that according to the word of God, this earth is going to remain forever. It's going to have all the resources that man needs on it and in it to last forever. Because God did not make a mistake creating this earth. There's no shortage of things in the earth. There's no shortage of fuel or or oil in the ground. Uh, That's man-created shortages. God says that, I mean, if God created this earth to minister to the man that he created, then he's certainly not going to fall short of resources somewhere down the line. That would mean that he made a mistake. God don't make mistakes. And so I know by the word of God that this earth is going to remain. You can't deceive me into thinking anything other than that. Sorry for you people that believe in global warming, but that's just the truth of God's word. But if you remember a couple weeks ago, I also preached a message on Wednesday night called Discerning Truth in a Time of Deception. And if you weren't able to join us, I'm sure that message is on our Facebook page, uh, Faith Fellowship Church of Louisville. Uh, It might be a help to you if you listen to it. Again, I'm not trying to get political or talk about the left or the right. I just want to give you some examples of uh, deception and how we can overcome deception by knowing the truth of God's word. But it's a shame that the media today is more deceptive than it's ever been. And the media today basically decides what we should know or not know. And they do it through deception. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what communist control media does. They decide what they want the people to know, and then that's what they tell them. And I told you a couple weeks ago about not being deceived by the information that was being provided uh, concerning the COVID-19 pandemic, because it was coming from computer models that were fed information from lying, deceptive sources that couldn't be trusted. And I still stand by that. I haven't changed my position. As a matter of fact, since I said that, it's been proven beyond any shadow of a doubt, based on those models, the USA was predicted to have 2.0 million deaths from this coronavirus. And right now, I believe we're approaching 55,000. But I believe that number itself is highly inflated because it includes uh, flu deaths, pneumonia, uh, pulmonary-related deaths, deaths from old age, and car accidents. Now, I'm just kidding about that last part. But there's a lot of erroneous information there. I don't believe we're anywhere near 50,000, 55,000 deaths that are uh, related solely to COVID-19. There's too many other uh, deaths in that number. And I don't blame the media entirely because I'm sure that some of what they were reporting was uh, information that they were being fed. But they sure sensationalized it. And they presented it in a way that it would make us believe it was true, and it wasn't. And it put a lot of people in fear. And I, I, I've said it before, I've been preaching it all along the last several weeks. We cannot allow ourselves to get into fear because it's the opposite of faith. We are people of faith, and we need to stay in faith. Not believe everything that's coming down the pike because it's going to cause you harm. 
Uh, what happened to good old-fashioned research and fact-checking? They don't check facts anymore. If it's bad, they just report it, and they don't really care if it's true or not. And even when it turns out that it wasn't true, they won't come back and retract what they said, and they won't apologize for it. Have you ever heard any good news lately? I didn't think so. If you have, it certainly didn't come from our media. If you watch the daily news briefings, you'll notice the media isn't really interested in news. Uh, but they're more interested in finding out something bad about our president or the president administration. And that's why we have to be careful what we listen to, and we have to discern everything that's being said. We simply can't afford to accept everything that the media is reporting as truth, because it's not. And if you have a hard time discerning what's true and what's a lie, and it's upsetting you, and you're constantly in fear of what they're saying and what's supposed to happen or is happening or whatever... Turn it off. Don't even listen to the news. You're better off not knowing what's going on. Amen. If it's something serious that you really need to know, someone will tell you. you got a friend or a spouse that will tell you. But we do need to be informed, but we don't need to be lied to and deceived. And you're the only one that can prevent that from happening. You can't stop the lies and the deception from coming. Uh, it's going to come out of the mouths of people all around us all the time. But you can stop by not receiving it. You can stop by discerning it and saying, no, they said this, the word of God says that, I believe God. And I mean, we have to be careful not only what's being said, but who is saying it. And we've been saying for the past month that we have to guard ourselves against fear. I can't tell you how important that is, yet it seems that most of what the media is promoting is fear. But I have news for you. Fear has been losing its grip lately. Uh, as evidenced by the amount of people that are getting out now. There's not as many people staying home as there was. Uh, this park that's close by to our church here called Iroquois Park here in Louisville was packed with people yesterday. And, and people are just tired of staying at home, tired of believing what's being told them through the media. They're tired of the lockdown, and, and they're even protesting because they want to go back to work. So now the media is starting to project a resurgence of COVID-19 in the fall. Why? I mean, they can't even predict what's going on right now in present day. Why would they want to go to the fall and predict something that's supposed to happen? I believe it's to keep fear stirred up in the American people. I mean, their projections are based on what? You guessed it. The same computer models they made their other predictions in. And it's... it's they're just as unreliable in the fall as they are right now. And personally, the only news that we listen to in our house is Fox News. And even with Fox News, I believe they're probably the most balanced out there. But even with Fox News, we're very careful what we hear and we're super careful in discerning it properly. But that's the way we have to be with the devil as well. If he can't deceive you, he can't get you into fear. And if he can't get you into fear, he can't defeat you. And so we have to guard ourselves, uh, uh, most of all things, fear. Guard ourselves against fear. You know, Jesus was stripped of all his authority over 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead. And the only weapon he has in his arsenal since then is deception. He's got to deceive you into believe, believing something. He has no power. He can't make you do anything. 
I mean, he can't make you sick. He can't plunder your finances. He can't destroy your marriage. He can't steal your kids or ruin your life unless he first deceives you. And uh, I mean, I just can't emphasize enough how dangerous deception is. God said in Deuteronomy 30 and 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he tells us what to choose. He said, therefore, choose life. Don't choose death. Don't choose curses. Choose blessings in life. I mean, that's a pretty good hint. You know, if we were taking a test, I'd love to get a question like that where they give me the answer at the end. But God is plainly telling all of us that the choice between life and death and blessing and cursing, good or bad, belongs to us. We give the devil way too much credit. He's not doing nearly as much as people think he is. But think about it for a minute. If our God who loves us unconditionally will not push his will on us, even though it would be for our, our benefit, then he certainly won't allow the devil to impose his will on us either. Sometimes we just glorify the devil and say, oh, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that, the devil uh, made my kid fail in school, the devil caused a car accident, the devil this, the devil that, the devil nothing. We're doing a lot of this stuff ourselves. See, the devil can't put death and cursing on you or get you to make bad choices unless you permit it by choosing those things. But who in their right mind would ever choose death and destruction? I'll tell you who, someone that's deceived. The devil is called the father of lies, but he's also the father of deception. Think about it. If he had the power to throw Jesus off the pinnacle of that temple, he would have did it. If he had the power to destroy you, you would have already been destroyed. He doesn't have the power to do that. Proverbs 18.21 tells us the power of life and death are in the tongue, your tongue. And he says that you will eat the fruit that it produces. What fruit? The fruit that is produced by the words that you speak. And, and I mean, what does it mean to be deceived? Simply put, it means that you have embraced a lie as though it was a truth. And no one intentionally chooses death and cursing in this life. So the only way the devil can defeat you is to convince you that something that is a lie is a truth. And in other words, he can't put evil on you unless you choose it. And you won't choose it unless he can convince you that it's not evil. The prophet Isaiah said this. He said, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, we're kind of reversing things. And, and we're calling bad things good and good things bad. And, uh, and that's exactly what's going on in today's society. He's got society, for the most part, deceived into thinking that bad things are good. Oh, I, 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 I could get into this real good, but I'd be getting political, so I don't want to do that this morning. But you think about it yourself. Things that we used to call bad, that we used to call evil, the, the culture we're living in today is calling those things good. And they're not bad anymore. And, and, you know, you just can't change something that was bad into good. I mean, how can you make something, you know, that's a dark light and, and something that's light dark or something like that? You know, that's what that prophet Isaiah is saying here. You know, uh, 
We can't put darkness for light. In other words, we can't call light darkness, and we can't call darkness light. It doesn't change it. It doesn't work. But he can't make you do something wrong unless he can deceive you into thinking that it's not wrong and it's okay to do it. Think about what he did to Eve. Paul said, I fear that somehow your, poor, your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. The only way your ways will become corrupt and bad is if you're deceived just like Eve was. Eve was corrupted because the devil deceived her, but she wasn't forced to eat that fruit. He couldn't make her eat that fruit. She exercised her own free will and chose to eat it. And God says your position in life will be determined by the choices that you make. And any choice that is contrary to God's word, I'm telling you right now, is a wrong choice. You're not building on a firm foundation and you're using inferior materials. God created us to be a people capable of making choices. He knew how dangerous it was to give us a free will. He didn't get caught by surprise when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. He knew they were going to do that. But he was willing to risk that because he already had a plan in place to correct it. We didn't know it was going to take over 2,000 years to correct it. But he had a plan in place to correct it. They did not catch God by surprise with their sin and disobedience. And so, you know, uh, when he gave us that free will... He so stood behind that. He says, I'm going to let you make your own choices. Even if you choose to go to hell, I won't stop you because that's your choice. But he does teach us the right things to choose. He said, therefore, choose life. He give us the answer. Therefore, choose life. Don't choose death and destruction. Don't choose hell. I made a way for you to go to heaven. That's through my son, Jesus Christ. Choose him. Choose life. In life, there's really only three choices to make in every situation. It's not that complicated. The right choice, the wrong choice, and no choice at all. You can choose not to choose, but it's still a choice. If you choose not to choose, you chose not to choose. In 1 Kings, the 18th chapter and 21st verse, Israel was involved in idolatry, and this is right towards the end of the three and a half years of famine that Elijah called on the land by shutting up the heavens and no rain for three and a half years. And so God said, all right, it's time to go to my people. See if they're ready to change their minds now and stop worshiping false gods and idols like Baal and Ashtoreth. So Elijah went to Mount Carmel. He had all Israel gathered at Mount Carmel. And he goes to the people of Israel and he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you vacillate? How long will you hobble around these two opinions? There's only two opinions. In other words, make a choice. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the Bible says the people answered him not a word. In other words, they wouldn't make a choice. And so they went with the third choice. They chose not to choose, but it was still a choice. And Joshua basically told Israel the same thing when they were worshiping false gods. He said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is a message to dads, to leaders of all kinds. 
Don't sit the house down and ask what their opinion is. If you know something is right, you declare it and you stick to it. You say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, when you get out from under my house and you're doing your own thing, you can make your own choice. But as long as I'm the head of this family, I'm the father, I'm the husband, we will serve the Lord. Amen. It's not open for discussion and we ain't taking a vote. That's a real leader for you. That's a real father, a family man for you. You know, God calls every one of us to make a choice, and he wants us to choose him. Because if we don't choose him to serve, obey, and love him, then we have chose not to choose, and because of that, the choice will be made for us. When it comes to salvation, you can't decide not to choose. You have to make a choice. And if you don't choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the other choice will be made for you automatically, and you'll choose the devil and hell. Amen. But, you know, uh, when that happens, then someone else or something else will become more important in our lives, and God will be pushed aside as a result of it. Now, we need to actively and intentionally choose God. It doesn't happen by accident. If you're a Christian, it's because at one point in your life, you made a choice and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You repented of your past. You confessed that you wanted Jesus to be Lord of your future, and you were born again. Hallelujah. You accepted Jesus as Savior because you wanted to choose him. It's, it's called giving your heart to Jesus. And that's the most important decision that you ever made or ever will make. You can't make a more important decision than that because that is an eternal decision. That decision is going to follow you for the rest of eternity, not just the rest of your life here on this earth. But then there are more important decisions or, or more other, or other important decisions that we have to make along the way. And another important decision is choosing to obey God's word. You have a choice there. You know what the word of God says. You can either obey it or disobey it. You can choose to do it or you can choose not to do it. And the more obedient we are to God's word, the less chance that the devil will have to deceive us. Joshua 1.8, we're familiar with this passage of scripture. Uh, he says, this book of the law, shall, this is God speaking to Joshua. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, don't ever stop speaking the words that are in this book, the Bible. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do, to be obedient to what you're reading. According to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I mean, prosperity and success is built into the word of God. All you have to do is obey it. And we have to choose, choose to obey God's word. And it's obeying the, the word that makes you prosperous and successful. James said in James 1.22 through 25, he said, But be you doers of the word, or be obedient to the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, being deceived is one thing, but deceiving yourself is the worst kind of deception because if you're convinced that you're right, then there's no chance that you will convince yourself otherwise. Think about it a minute. If I'm convinced I'm right, I'm not going to convince myself that I'm wrong. And nobody else is going to convince me that I'm wrong because I know better than everybody else. That's pride. It's also stupid. But make no mistake about it. The devil's a liar and a deceiver, 
And I'm not giving him any glory, don't get me wrong, but he's good at it. But the Bible says we're not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. The word shows us how he comes to deceive so that we can foresee his deception and overcome it. And the only guarantee you have in not being deceived is knowing God's word and obeying it. If you know God's word, you're not going to fall for global warming. If you know God's word, you're not going to fall for them when they say there's a gas shortage and the prices shoot up. Uh, it's just contrary to God's word, and I believe God. And, and all the number of people that the devil deceived into thinking that they weren't worthy, that they weren't good enough, that they would never amount to anything, that God didn't love them, and their sin was greater than God could even forgive. And the devil has deceived people into thinking that they're not worthy to even receive what the Bible says belongs to us. He'll remind you of your past and everything you've ever done wrong, every idle word you spoke, every bad word, every joke you spoke. He wants you to think that you deserve to be sick, that you deserve to be uh, poor and, in, and living in lack. He wants you to think that you don't deserve a good marriage or even a good relationship. But he's a liar and a deceiver. And anytime he tells you something, believe the opposite. If he tells you you're going to be sick, you're going to be well. If he tells you you're going to be broke, you're going to be rich. Everything he says is a lie. He can't, the truth is not in him. He knows if he can deceive you into thinking you're not good enough, that you won't even bother approaching God with your needs because you'll think you don't deserve it. But praise God, your, your past doesn't even exist in the eyes of God. When you were born again and he forgave you, I mean, old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All your past is gone. All you have with God is a future and a good one. As far as God is concerned, you don't even have a past. When God looks at us, he sees us through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, you talk about rose-colored glasses. He's got some crimson-colored glasses. And when you're in Christ, he can't see nothing but his son's blood on your life. And he can't see your sin. He don't want to see your sin because it's under the blood and, and it's been forgiven. And it's been cast into a sea of forgiveness to be remembered no more. If you confess a sin and get it under the blood of Jesus and you go and confess that, that sin the next day, God ain't even going to know what you're talking about because it's gone. It's forgotten. That's how worthy we are in God's sight. And it's not because of anything we did. It's because of what Jesus did for us. He made us worthy. He made us worthy. What you believe will directly affect the decisions and the choices that you make in life. And the devil knows it. He read the Bible. He even quoted it to Jesus, but he misquoted it. But he said in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, you'll be what you think you are. If he can get you to believe something other than God's word, then he can deceive you. Uh, he can deceive you to choose things that cause death and cause cursing instead of life and blessing. But you're the one who has to make the choice. Don't believe his lies. He also knows that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six, And he says, like James says, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. And so uh, if he can get us deceived, then he knows that we won't receive anything from the Lord. He'll do his best to get you into fear, and he's using the news media to help him. 
That's why God has given us the shield of faith, it's called in Ephesians. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But I, I just want to talk about the, uh, the shield of faith. Uh, a shield of faith is simply what you believe, what you have your beliefs in. What is your belief system? That's your shield of faith. And your belief system should be what the Word of God tells you. It's the Word of God that I have faith in. It's not the Word of the media. It's not the Word of man. It's not the Word of our president or governors or any of them. I have God's Word in me, and that's the one that counts in my life. That's my shield of faith. No matter what happens, I'm going to hold up God's Word to protect me. Nothing else. He said, above all, in other words, all the armor they have, the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, the breastplate of righteousness, the uh, loins being girded about with truth, all the different pieces of your armor. He said, above all of those, he said, take the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It's designed to protect us from circumstances that are in this world that will resist and oppose everything that we believe. I believe by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. I believe no evil or, or, or plague shall come near my dwelling. I believe he gives his angels charge concerning me, and they watch over me, and they keep me, and they protect me. And whenever the devil tells me otherwise, I hold up my shield of faith. I stand behind what I believe and my belief system, my values in the word of God, and they protect me for every fiery dart that the devil throws at me. Hallelujah. See, when lies and deception are being hurled at you, hold up your shield of faith. Stand behind what you believe in the word of God. Make a decision to do God's word and then stand behind your shield of faith. And nothing in this world will be able to affect you uh, or get you to believe otherwise. And, and it will never stop you from receiving God's promises because they're too strong in you to be deceived. The devil wants to convince you that it doesn't really matter what you think. But it does. Uh, your thoughts are important. Your imagination will always produce corresponding behavior. In other words, if you can imagine it, you can have it. God told us that in Genesis concerning the Tower of Babel. He says, whatever the people imagine, they'll be able to do. And so it's the same with us. If we can imagine it, we can have it. If you have a dream of, of building a business, keep that dream alive. Imagine it because you'll be able to do it. I don't care what it is. If you can imagine it, you can do it. And the devil wants, you, wants to convince you that it doesn't really matter what you think. It doesn't really matter what, you, uh, what your imagination can produce. But he's a liar and the father of it. If you want your life to be the way God says it should be, then you need to think like God thinks. And you need to speak like God speaks. And you, you need to imagine yourself the way God sees you. The enemy hopes that you won't pay much attention to what thoughts you entertain in your mind. Because he knows the power of those thoughts. But don't be deceived into thinking that your thoughts aren't important. He wants you to think that your words aren't important either. But they are. He hopes to convince you to be casual about your words. But remember this. Wrong thoughts lead to wrong words. Wrong words lead to wrong actions. And wrong actions lead to wrong results every time. So we have to be careful of the thoughts. Now, you know, you can't prevent 
the devil from planting a thought in your head. But he's not omniscient. That's a characteristic only God has. He's not all-knowing. He cannot read your mind. But he's watching your lips and he's watching your actions. And that's what gives him the edge in your life because you're speaking wrong things. He knows how to get to you. But your thoughts... If he plants a thought, Paul said, cast it down as a vain imagination, something that won't amount to anything. He said, don't let the thoughts remain in your, if your thoughts don't line up with the word of God, cast them down. Don't let them remain in your head. And Brother Hagin told us this before. He said, uh, you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent him from building a nest in your hair. And that's the way it is with thoughts. You can't prevent the thought from coming, but you don't have to let it build a nest. You can get rid of it before it becomes an imagination. Hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus tells us that we can have whatsoever we say. That's how important your words are. And the devil knows that this principle will work for you or against you. You can speak bad things and receive bad things. You can speak good things and, and receive good things in your life. So what kind of words are coming out of your mouth? We, need, we really need to guard against them. Guard our mouth. Plant this truth firmly in our heart. And make no mistake about it. Walking in truth and staying free from deception is your key to victorious living. There's no storm, no storm, not even COVID-19, that can cause you to fall. If the devil can't deceive you, he can't defeat you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for the word that's come forth. I pray, Lord, that it found good soil, soil where it can take root and produce fruit, 30, 60, but most of all, 100-fold, 100% fruit, Lord. But these are the people's hearts that are willing to do your word and be obedient to your word. That's what we're believing for this morning, Lord, is doers of your word, people that will hear your word, receive it, and put it to work in their lives. These are the people that will be prosperous and successful. Lord, we pray for each and every one out there in our viewing audience this morning. God, we ask you to touch them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Heal their bodies in Jesus' name. Bring peace to their minds. Bring comfort to their souls this morning, Lord. And we pray for all our first responders and, and everybody that's on the front lines. And, and God, this morning, I want to add even our Walmart workers. I got a daughter-in-law who works at Walmart, and some of the conditions that she's described to us are horrible. And I think they're in as much danger as a frontline health care worker. So we lift up all the people that are working in retail this morning, Lord. The Walmart associates, the Kroger associates, all of those that are dealing directly with an unruly public that doesn't want to follow all the rules. We pray protection upon them, Lord. We cover them with the blood of Jesus, and we ask you to surround them round about with uh, ministering spirits of fire, guardian angels, Lord, that will keep them safe and keep them from harm's way. And we declare no evil will befall them, neither any plague come nigh their dwelling in the name of Jesus. So we thank you for every good and perfect thing that come forth today out of this message. We're looking for fruit in people's lives, good fruit in people's lives, Lord. And we pray that this message has found some good soil to get planted in this morning. We give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Well, we love you and appreciate you. Don't forget Wednesday night, uh, 6 o'clock, we'll have another teaching of some type. I, I, I don't really know what we'll be teaching on yet, 
but I'm sure the Lord is going to give me something before Wednesday. So look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Be safe. Be careful. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.